0: Section six of The Heroines of History. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Christine H. The Heroines of History by John S. Jenkins. Section six Isabella of Castile. Part two. The King of Portugal gladly acceded and sent a pompous and magnificent embassy to Isabella at Ocaña. She preemptorially declined the honor, which so incensed Henry that, urged on by the cunning Marquis, he threatened her with imprisonment in the royal fortress at Madrid, if she did not see fit to acquiesce in the choice he had made for her. Such menaces did not intimidate her, as the inhabitants of Ocaña were devotedly attached to her, and approved of the Aragonese match making known their approbation by singing ballads in the streets that derided alfonso and compared his age and defects to ferdinand's youth beauty and chivalry she also had the promised support of the archbishop of toledo who was warmly attached to her interests offering to come in person at the head of a sufficient force to protect her if violent measures were resorted to notwithstanding a provision in the treaty which required her to consult henry as to her marriage she determined no longer to regard his wishes since he had violated almost every article himself without farther hesitation she took the opportunity of his absence in the southern provinces to quell an insurrection to send an envoy to aragon accepting ferdinand's suit while awaiting the result she repaired to madrigal remaining with her mother for greater security this proved a disadvantage as she found there the bishop of burgos a nephew of the marquis of valena who acted as a spy upon all her movements corrupted her servants ferreted out her designs and faithfully reported the particulars to henry and the marquis they became alarmed at her daring step and at once made preparations to put their threat in execution by an order from the king the archbishop of seville was directed to proceed to madrigal with a sufficient force to secure isabella and the inhabitants were warned not to attempt her defence they entreated her to fly and succeeded in informing the archbishop of toledo of her danger he promptly placed himself at the head of a body of horse proceeded to madrigal with such speed as to arrive before her enemies and gallantly carried her off in the very face of the bishop of burgos and his guard she was thus escorted to the city of valladolid where the inhabitants greeted her with hearty enthusiasm soon after her arrival a dispatch was sent to ferdinand to expedite matters during the king's absence john of aragon had received the favorable answer to his son's suit with the greatest satisfaction as it had long been his favorite scheme to consolidate the provinces of spain under one head the marriage articles had been signed the most pleasing of which to the castilians was that ferdinand should reside in castile and the essential rights of sovereignty over that kingdom should be relinquished to his consort but the arrival of the princess's messengers with the information of the necessity of hasty measures embarrassed the king of aragon whose treasury was exhausted by a war with the catalanes leaving him without means to provide ferdinand with a suitable escort or to support the expense attending a royal marriage after much deliberation it was decided that the prince should go in the disguise of a servant to a pretended company of merchants while to divert the attention of the castilians a showy embassy should proceed by another route this stratagem succeeded the distance to be traversed was short but the country was patrolled by troops to intercept them and the frontiers were guarded by strong fortified castles they travelled at night ferdinand performing all the offices of a servant till they reached the friendly castle of the count of Trevino, from which a well-armed escort accompanied them to duenas in leon here he was welcomed by a throng of nobles and the joyful intelligence of his safe arrival sent to isabella the following evening he went secretly to Bayadolide, accompanied by a few persons he was warmly received by the archbishop of toledo who conducted him to the princess at the palace of john Ververa, where she with her little court resided ferdinand was at this time in his eighteenth year his complexion was fair though somewhat bronzed by constant exposure to the sun his eyes quick and cheerful his forehead ample and approaching to baldness His muscular and well-proportioned frame was invigorated by the toils of war, and by the chivalrous exercises in which he delighted. He was one of the best horsemen in his court, and excelled in field-sports of every kind. His voice was somewhat sharp, but he possessed a fluent eloquence, and when he had a point to carry, his address was courteous and insinuating. Isabella was a year older than he. She was well-formed, of the middle size with great dignity and gracefulness of deportment a mingled gravity and sweetness of demeanour confiding and affectionate her complexion was fair her hair auburn inclining to redness her eyes of a clear blue with a benign expression and there was a singular modesty in her countenance gracing as it did a wonderful firmness of purpose and earnestness of spirit the interview lasted two hours full of interest and mutual admiration sealing the marriage contract with a love that rarely unites royal hearts denied the free choice that blesses lower rank arrangements were made for the celebration of the nuptials but both parties were so poor as to be obliged to borrow money to defray the expenses of the occasion the ceremony took place on the morning of october nineteenth fourteen sixty nine at the palace and in the presence of a large assemblage of noblemen and dignitaries a week of festive rejoicings followed and at its expiration the newly married pair publicly attended mass at one of the churches as was the custom their first step had been to inform the king of their union and loyal submission he coldly received their tardy seeking of his approbation and replied that he should consult his ministers the marquis of Elena, who had now attained the dignity of grand master of st james chagrined at the failure of his schemes quickly concocted new ones that put all castile in ferment he counselled henry to again institute joanna his successor which advice was the more readily accepted since an embassy had just arrived from the king of france proposing the duke of guine isabella's disappointed suitor for his daughter's hand an interview took place between the castilian monarch and the french ambassadors during which a proclamation was read condemning isabella's violation of the treaty by her unapproved marriage and reinstating joanna in her former rights. the nobles took the oath of allegiance and the young princess was formally affianced to the duke of guine ferdinand and his consort now almost forsaken by the same ones who a short time before had warmly espoused their cause remained quietly at duenas surrounded by an unostentatious court and so poor they could scarcely support the expenses of their frugal table. Henry's court, on the contrary, exhibited a frivolous and corrupt abandonment, himself the spectacle of a king completely under the guidance of rapacious and profligate counsellors, and his dominion the scene of continued warfare and crime, carried on with impunity under the very eyes of Castile's incapable monarch. At this crisis and when Ferdinand's presence was most needed to inspire the remaining adherents with courage, he was summoned to the assistance of his father, who, at war with France, was perilously besieged in the city of Perpignan. With Isabella's approbation, Ferdinand led a body of horse, furnished by the Archbishop of Toledo, into Aragon, where he received reinforcements from the nobility of that kingdom. With this army, he suddenly appeared before the surprised enemy, who abandoned the siege in dismay john with the remnant of his troops went out to meet his son and deliverer whom he embraced with affecting gratitude in the presence of the two armies during this absence several events favored isabella's fortune the archbishop of seville a powerful man in position and character observed the marked contrast between the courts of the king and princess and won by the superior decorum of the latter justly concluded castile would attain a greater degree of prosperity under her firm administration than it could ever reach in the reign of her weak-minded rival who like her father was entirely controlled by those around him influenced by such considerations the archbishop revolutionized his interest and fortune in isabella's favor another important accession to her party was one of the king's officers andres de cabrera who controlled the royal coffers partly influenced by hatred toward the grand master of st james and more by the urgent importunities of his wife beatrix de bordidilla isabella's early friend he opened a secret correspondence with the princess advising her to have an interview with her brother to assure her of his friendly motives he sent his wife who performed the journey in the disguise of a peasant and thus unsuspected reached duenas gained access to the apartments of her royal friend and induced her to attempt a reconciliation with the king with this certainty of protection from cabrera and his friends isabella willingly set out for saragossa where henry usually resided an interview took place that resulted in a good understanding and to give public proof of it the king led her palfrey through the streets of the city grand fetes were given to express the universal joy at the event while these rejoicings were in progress ferdinand returned to castile and hastened to saragossa where he was warmly welcomed by his sovereign this happy reconciliation did not suit the designs of the plotting favorite who took the first occasion to crush these germs of peace after a splendid entertainment given by cabrera henry was taken violently ill ever ready to listen to his crafty minister's suggestions he attributed to poison the result of his own excesses and immediately issued secret orders for isabella's arrest the vigilance of her friends saved her and she returned to duenas in disgust ferdinand was again called to his father's succour in the meantime events thickened toward the consummation of his consort's power the death of the duke of guine in france dampened the hopes of the opposing party for joanna more especially since the alliance had been declined by several princes owing to her alleged illegitimacy shortly after henry was deprived of his supporter and adviser by the death of the grand master of st james this was an occasion of more joy than grief to the castilians who were now delivered from the cause of nearly all the evils that for years had banished peace from the kingdom to the monarch it was an irreparable loss Occasioning an anxiety and melancholy, that hastened the progress of a disease which, for some time, had threatened his life. Undecided in matters of moment to the last, he died december eleventh, fourteen seventy four, unlamented, without a will, and without naming his successor. The following morning, Isabella, who was at Segovia, desired the inhabitants of that city to proclaim her sovereignty resting her claims to the crown upon the fact that the Cortes had never revoked the act which appointed her Henry's successor, although twice summoned by him to give allegiance to Joanna. An assemblage of the chief grandees, nobles, and dignitaries, in robes of office, gathered at the castle, and, receiving Isabella under a canopy of rich brocade, conducted her to the public square. Two of the chief citizens led the Spanish Jeanette, she rode preceded by an officer on horseback who upheld a naked sword the symbol of sovereignty a platform had been erected and a throne placed upon it which isabella occupied with graceful dignity while a herald proclaimed castile castile for the king don ferdinand and his consort Doña isabella queen proprietor of these kingdoms the royal standard was then unfurled and the peal of bells and sound of cannon announced the recognizance of the new queen the procession then moved to the principal cathedral where after the solemn chanting of the te deum isabella devoutly prostrated herself before the altar and invoked the protection and guidance of the almighty immediately after the coronation deputies from various cities tendered their allegiance and raised the new standard upon their walls ferdinand was still absent but on his return he exhibited great dissatisfaction with the investment of supreme authority in his consort with unyielding firmness and winning gentleness she maintained her right convincing and at the same time with womanly tact soothing her offended husband by mild just reasoning assuring him their interests were indivisible that the division of power was but nominal and that the interest of their only child a daughter demanded it as she could not inherit the crown if females were excluded from the succession this was one of his grounds of contention since he himself was a distant heir of the castilian crown it was satisfactorily decided however that all appointments were to be made in the name of both with the advice and consent of the queen the commanders of fortified places were to render homage to her alone justice was to be administered by both conjointly when residing in the same place, and independently when separate. Proclamations and letters patent were to be subscribed with the signatures of both, their images were to be stamped on the public coin, and the united arms of Castile and Aragon emblazoned on a common seal. The succession was not yet peacefully established. Joanna's party still contended for the crown. Among her prominent supporters was the young Marquis of Villena. Who inherited his father's titles and estates, but not his crafty, intriguing character. The archbishop of Toledo, offended with the proclaimed queen because he was not solely consulted by her, and jealous of the rising importance of Cardinal Mendoza, suddenly withdrew from court. He shortly after openly espoused the cause of the unfortunate princess whom he had so long and successfully opposed he would not be conciliated by any advances from ferdinand and isabella who as far as possible without compromising their dignity sought to regain his friendship propositions were now made by the rebellious party to alfonso v of portugal to espouse joanna and assist in asserting her claims to this he readily agreed he assembled an army which comprised the flower of the portuguese nobility eager to engage in an expedition that promised them glory in the chivalrous defense of an injured princess advancing into castile they were met by the duke of aravello and the marquis of volena who presented the king to his future bride they were publicly affianced and proclaimed king and queen of castile a week of festivities followed after which the army quietly awaited reinforcements from the castilians during this delay Ferdinand and Isabella, who, on the first arrival of the invaders, possessed but a scanty army, put forth indefatigable exertions to strengthen their forces. Isabella frequently sat up the whole night dictating dispatches. She visited in person, on horseback, the several cities that had delayed allegiance, thus succeeding in rallying an army of 42,000 men well equipped. On one of her journeys, she sent a message to the archbishop, notifying him of an intended visit in hope of reconciliation to which he impudently replied that if the queen entered by one door he would go out at the other as soon as such preparations as could be rapidly made were completed the army set out for the city of toro of which alfonso had taken possession unable to engage the portuguese in battle ferdinand laid siege to the city but owing to a want of proper battering artillery and the cutting off of supplies by the enemy, who occupied the neighboring fortresses, he was obliged to withdraw his forces. An inglorious and confused retreat followed. The army was disbanded, scattering to their homes or strengthening the garrisons of friendly cities. The Archbishop of Toledo exulted at this ominous opening of the war on the part of the king, and no longer hesitated to join the enemy with all the forces under his command, haughtily boasting that he had raised Isabella from the distaff and would soon send her back to it again. Tidings from Portugal of an invasion caused the detachment of so large a portion of Alfonso's army as to cripple his operations, obliging him to remain in Toro without any aggressive movements. The king and queen, in the meantime, gathered a new army and proceeded to besiege Zamora. That being an important post to the enemy, Alfonso abandoned Toro, and with reinforcements from portugal headed by his son prince john went to its relief a battle ensued in which the portuguese were completely routed and would have been nearly all put to the sword but for the friendly darkness that enabled many in extremity to give the castilian war-cry of st james and st lazarus and thus escape their confused pursuers many of the troops were massacred in attempting to fly to the frontiers of their own country This cruelty was rebuked by Ferdinand, who not only ordered their safe conduct, but provided many of them with clothing, who were brought prisoners in a state of destitution and suffering. He permitted them to return safely to their homes. Isabella, upon hearing of this decisive victory, commanded the people to go in procession to the church of St. Paul, humbly walking barefoot herself to the cathedral, where thanksgiving was offered to God for the success he had vouchsafed them complete submission followed except from the marquis of villena and the imperious archbishop who maintained their rebellious manoeuvres till the demolition of their castles and the desertion of their retainers obliged them to yield alfonso retreated into portugal with joanna but mortified with his defeat applied to the king of france to assist him in securing the crown of castile for the princess joanna he remained nearly a year in france for that purpose louis promised assistance when alfonso's title was secured by a dispensation from the pope for his marriage with joanna to his entire chagrin he found that louis was already negotiating with his rivals and overwhelmed with mortification at having been duped before all the world he retired to an obscure village in normandy and wrote prince john of his wish to resign his crown and enter a monastery his retreat was discovered and at last persuaded by the urgent entreaties of his followers he returned to portugal arriving just after his son's coronation this caused him additional chagrin john however immediately resigned his premature dignity on his father's reappearance a treaty was soon after confirmed with castile which obliged alfonso to resign all claims to the hand of joanna and imposed upon her the necessity of taking the veil or wedding don juan the infant son of ferdinand and isabella when he should arrive at a suitable age wearied and disgusted with worldly ambition forsaken by her relatives successively affianced to princes who one after another rejected her at every reverse of fortune and at last offered a consort still in the cradle with the alternative of becoming a nun she chose the latter as at least a means of releasing her from a position which made her the football of opposing parties. End of section six.